This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Have me a ray for the Word this morning. We're going to talk about communion, and then we're going to take communion. And there's many questions about it, but I, I, there's something that really prompted me that you'll see the first part of this, and it will tie in. I want to talk about Thanksgiving and giving thanks. You know, we're uh, this Thursday, the whole nation will celebrate and give thanks to God, or some will give thanks to someone, maybe themselves, but we're to be thankful to God. And we know this is something that should be an everyday thing for each of us, that we're thankful to the Lord. Let me read to you Colossians 2, verse 7. Let your roots grow deep into Him, into the Lord. Draw up nourishment from Him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all He has done. So we're to be thankful each and every day. We should give thanks to God. No matter what your situation or what you're going through, you should be giving thanks to God. You know, we teach our kids this. We teach them to say, thank you. Uh, I can remember that my parents were teaching me to say thank you, and sometimes I wouldn't say thank you. And my mom would go, thank you. And so I started saying, you're welcome. did not last long. It did not go over well. I, I couldn't understand why they didn't enjoy my humor. So I lost that habit pretty quick. But, but saying thank you and uh, having a grateful heart is something, you know, we train our kids. And my dad, uh, I think he took it a little bit extreme. And I think it's a generation that he grew up in, but my dad... You know, he, every day, he walked to school in, in snow that was over his head. My dad, he killed a bear with his, his notebook on the way to school. <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking about, what are our grandkids, where are they going to say? They can't say, I walked to school. I rode to school. I had to ride to school when I went to school. Now you got your jetpack. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now you walk into a room and you have a cyber school. And you <laughs> I don't know. But the truth is, we're to live a life of thankfulness and be thankful each and every day. And we're to have a life that overflows with thankfulness. Well, you should be known your thankfulness. And we should for sure be thanking God each and every day. Ephesians 5.20, it says, Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now what prompted this, I heard a testimony of a boy, or he was an adult now, but as a boy, his father died at age 35. And he said he didn't know why God took him. 
but he had gotten cancer and God had taken him. And he started living a very rebellious life. He, he turned from God. They had been raised in the church, but he was told that God had taken his father and it turned him against God. So he's living very worldly, doing things totally against him. He even said he was tempted to pray, but resisted the temptation. But then, when he hit age 35, he had cancer. A short time to live. And he had a choice that I turned back to God. He turned back to God. And God healed him. But see, when we use the scripture, we thank God for all things. We're really taking the scripture out of context. We don't thank him for all things. All things are not of God. And we, we need to know and have an understanding of what that difference is because this difference caused a young boy to live a rebellious life and turn away from God because he didn't know this truth that God did not kill his dad and take his dad. God didn't do it. And we got to know, know the truth about that. So do we give thanks to God for everything that happens? Maybe a, a little girl gets in an accident and is killed. Do we give God thanks for that? Or maybe a husband dies and leaves a, a wife with, with five kids to raise her own. Do we thank God for that? Or what about this? A person dies and never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and goes to hell. Do we thank God for that? Well, see, if you take this verse literally, you would, because you thank God for everything. That's not what this verse is actually saying. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, it says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. God's will is that all be saved and all understand truth. Are all people being saved? Everybody say, No. But is it God's will for all to be saved? Yes. Is God's will being done in everyone's life? No. Why is this? Because God gives each and every person a choice. They choose to walk with God or not to. They choose to ignore God or not to. We have a choice. And we choose what we will do. But it's the will of God that all be saved. And that word saved includes healing. Now let me make it clear. Being saved, accepting Jesus your Lord and Savior, is a greater miracle than healing. I mean, we want healing. I don't want to say it's a small thing. It's a big thing. It was purchased at the same time. And I'm going to talk about that some, but... Of course, getting into the kingdom, being part, going to heaven when you die is the number one thing. But God wants you healed just as much. So we need to know when to give thanks. And this verse, when it says give thanks, in the original it says unto God. Unto God. And that unto means for everything he's responsible for. For everything he has done. For the things that he has accomplished and he has done for each of us, give him thanks for that. 
give him honor for that. That's what this verse uh, in, in Ephesians 5.20 is really talking about. God, uh, you remember when Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's? Render unto God the things that are of God. Same thing. You give thanks unto God for the things that he's responsible for. The things that belong to him. You don't give thanks for everything. You don't thank God for someone being sick or they lost their job or they're in a car accident there or whatever. We don't thank God for those things. You ever been in service when somebody spoke and a turn, maybe they're one of those that goes amen or, or thank you, Jesus? You ever been in service where somebody said that and a turn, preachers up there, people are lost and dying and going to hell. And somebody goes, thank you, Jesus. And your, your mind goes, that was either a habit or they just woke up. <laughs> They're thanking God for the wrong thing there. God's not doing that. He's doing everything that we can be to know Him and to be saved. It says in, in James 1.16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift. Here's an easy way to, if it's good, give God thanks for it. Because if it's good, it came from Him. If it's perfect, it came from Him. If it's bad, you know where it came from. The enemy. Anything that is stealing, killing, destroying is from the enemy. It's God's will that we receive the good, that we walk in what God's called us to walk in, and that's to enjoy life and life more abundantly. That's what God has for us. And it takes, like we sang the song, it's a fight. What's the fight? It's a faith fight. If you don't resist those other voices, if you don't resist the, the other report of the doctor or the or whoever, if you don't resist that, you'll receive that. Because there's two kingdoms in this world who at the same time are, are working in this earth. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And you can be a believer, you can be a Christian, and choose not to walk in the principles of God, the kingdom of light, and that means that you're attaching yourself to the principles of the kingdom of darkness and walk in this world miserable, defeated. The Bible says walking as a mere man without God. You can do that. You can, you can choose to do that. That's the reason faith is more than just believing in the end result. Faith is believing in the principle that will bring you through the process that will get you to the end result. Somebody tells me, Pastor, I'm believing that all my needs are met. Awesome. I'm standing with you. Then you talk to them, are you tithing? Are you giving? No. I will someday. Well, you've got to believe in the principle to get the end result. First Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Listen to this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So what, what is it here? It says, in everything give thanks. I thank God in everything, but not for everything. The reason I can praise Him in the midst of something that's going on in my life is because I know He's with me, and He'll put me in a place that I get out of it. I'm not thanking Him for it. I'm thanking Him that He will get me out of it. <laughs> See, I can rise up and, and praise Him when the enemy's coming with fear against me. I can say, I can praise Him and say, you have not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. When lack and, and poverty tries to attach itself to me, I can praise him and, and worship and say, my God meets all my need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What happens to me, my emotions start changing and peace starts invading my life and my heart. When there's a trial and a tough situation, I'm wondering if I can make it through. I can praise and worship God and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I receive the strength of the Lord in my life. What happens? Peace comes. Strength comes. Because I'm tapping in to the grace of God. I'm releasing my faith. That's what thanks is about. Hallelujah. So I want to talk about communion here for just a few moments. Because really a believer's thankfulness is rooted in the cross. And really communion is a picture of the cross, the finished work, what Jesus did for us. That's what communion really is about. So we need to have some understanding of it. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it's just Jesus speaking and he's talking really about his assignment in the earth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight, recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want to talk about acceptable year of the Lord. Now, it's interesting to me, we find this in Isaiah 61 that Jesus is talking about. And uh, it's, it is, you know, giving reference to Messiah. But he leaves out part of, of the verse there. It says, the acceptable year of the Lord in the day of the vengeance of our God. And we used to sing a, a song called the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. And we talk about the vengeance of our God. I always had trouble with that part. Said the vengeance, you know, like a, a judgment's coming. The reason Jesus didn't quote that part of the verse wasn't because he forgot the verse. It wasn't because he had brain fog. He had too much McDonald's that day and his mind was messed up. He left it off on purpose because that day's not in this day. We're in the age of grace, the dispensation of grace, the church age. And God's not bringing judgment and vengeance. But there is a day where his son will be, there will be a day of vengeance and judgment of those who reject and spit on the blood of Jesus. But we're not in that day. This is a day of grace. This is a day for all to come and receive. 
But he said the acceptable year of the Lord was that it is the day of Jubilee. The day of Jubilee. In Israel, they had a law. And they worked their fields. They'd work it for six years. And then on the seventh year, God commanded them not to work the fields. It was called a Sabbath rest. And they didn't work that whole year. They didn't work the fields. Every seventh year, this happened. Now, God provided for them. You know, the sixth year, they'd have a lot more crop that would cover that year. But they would let the ground rest. But when you had seven of the Sabbath rest, seven times seven is 49, the 50th year was called the year of Jubilee. And in this year, everything returned to its original owner. If you had debt, maybe you had a piece of land that you sowed, you had to get rid of, all these things, uh, whatever it is, at that year of Jubilee, that thing went back to you. It went back to the original owner. So Jesus is saying, the acceptable year of the Lord is here. The day of Jubilee. I'm sure there's people there going, it's not time for the Jubilee. Jesus is mixed up. Some understood that he was saying, when he said this is fulfilled in your ears, he was saying, I'm the Messiah. I mean, he stirred up some people. But what was happening? See, Jubilee was a, a cancellation of debt. It was really a picture of God's grace. When you look at Jesus' healing, you notice the, the writers, they will illuminate, they healed on the Sabbath day. You, you don't read where, well, Jesus healed on Tuesday. It was Wednesday. Talks about the Sabbath. Why the Sabbath? Because on the Sabbath, man was commanded not to work. In other words, grace is of God. All we do is believe it. That's the reason he gets all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. Even when you get down to it, he gives us faith. That's the reason we're all going to just lay down before him and say, King Jesus. So this, this day of jubilee, this acceptable year of the Lord. So, he said, uh, this in your notes, Jesus came to give us what? The blessing and to take the curse away. He came to give us something and to take something away. He gave us the blessing that was originally ours in the garden, and he took away the curse. Satan got, when he came to Adam, and Eve, he stole the blessing of the Lord. He took their authority, the blessing of God in this earth. He took it, and he gave man the curse. Man was then cursed. But Jesus, at the cross, he defeated the enemy. The debt was paid, and Satan's got the curse, and we got the blessing. That's the reason... A day of jubilee, it wasn't about, it was a perpetual jubilee. He was talking about a spiritual thing that would even affect our natural lives. He was talking about 
from now. This is an acceptable year of the Lord. At the cross, a jubilee started for all people, for all mankind. Your debt is no longer, your sin debt is no longer held against you. It's been paid in full. The blood of Jesus paid for each and every human being's sin, past, future, past, present, and future, was paid for. What a jubilee. What a time to rejoice. Wow. That's what we are living in. The acceptable year of the Lord. The day of jubilee. Awesome. So we receive back what originally belonged to us. The blessing. On the cross, see this in your notes. A divine exchange took place. A divine exchange. Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Jesus took our sickness and disease, gave us his healing and health. What's he doing? He's taking something and giving something. It's jubilee. He, Jesus took our poverty and brought us prosperity. Now see, when we talk about sin and even um, sickness, it didn't belong to us. It was taken from us. It was taken from us. So you're believing for healing in your body. It didn't even belong to you. It was taken where you don't have to. Sin doesn't belong in your life because Jesus took it. Now we're all in process. <laughs> Amen. Tell your neighbor and say, I'm in process. But it's important to see this when you take communion because many have misunderstood communion. Many have been fearful about taking communion. But I want you to know, as far as your spirit, you're in a perpetual jubilee. And your sins are no longer held against you. The blood of Jesus cleanses you continually from all sin. That's awesome news. I don't know about you, but I have messed up since I've been saved. Anybody in here with me? <laughs> I thank God for the Jubilee, for that blood. Okay. So we come down to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. Uh, and remember, communion represents the works of Jesus on the cross. The blood's remission uh, of sin. The body, its stripes were healed. You see the inward the blood, the outward, the stripes. God took care of the, the whole man in the, at the cross. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats his bread or drinks his cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Many people read this and said, I don't even want to take communion. I'm afraid of it. Church I grew up in, you, you did not take communion until you were a part of the church. I mean, <laughs> a member there. And there's this, this fear. Now, I thank God that the way this reads is not the way it really is because I'd been damned to hell. Because when the communion elements came by, you've heard me tell the story, the bread came by, the crackers came by, I put my offering in it. 
then I'm crawling under pews chasing that <laughs> plate. I want my money back. I so I wanted to give it to God. And I'm crawling under and... So I messed up the service. And then you read... <laughs> You read, therefore, whoever eats this bread, drinks this cup of the Lord, in an unworthy manner is guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Okay, so what does this really mean? It didn't say that you're unworthy to take it. It says taking it in an unworthy manner. It's not talking about every born again believer is worthy to take, to partake. Why? It says he made you acceptable in the beloved. He made you accepted. He made you a new creation, brand new. So you have a right, a God-given right, to partake of the elements. That's good news. It says examine yourself. Examine yourself to what? Make sure you're not doing it in an unworthy manner. Just make sure you're taking it. Am I taking... This blood, the, the juice, in a worthy manner or not? Am I seeing the price that was paid? That's all. I'm looking to Him. I'm remembering I have a blood covenant. I'm remembering He's forgiven me. I'm remembering the promises of God. He's forgiven me. He's blessed me. He's taken all my sins away. He's good. He's merciful. That's, that's when I get the benefit of it. All he's saying, you don't get the benefit unless you're in faith when you take it. Doesn't mean you're going to hell if you take it in an unworthy manner. You're just missing out on the benefit of it. You might have some condemnation because you feel like God hadn't forgiven you when the truth is he has. That's what I'm talking about. So you examine yourself. Are you in faith concerning the blood? Do you discern the sacrifice, the blood that was spilled for you, that you have a covenant with God, you're loved by God? What about the body? In verse 29, But he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Now notice it says in an unworthy manner again. But notice it says, not discerning the Lord's body. Not the Lord's blood. But the Lord's body. And for this reason, many are weak and sick and die. What's he saying? I need to discern that Jesus, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. That's taking in a worthy manner. I'm remembering what he did. The Bible says, as often as you do this, remember. Remember the cross. Oh, let me give you a new definition for faith. Remember. Remember. Everybody can do it. Everybody can remember. Remember the cross. Remember what he did. Many were dying. Weak. Sick. Because they weren't remembering that Jesus had paid the price and it's God's will first to be healed. Amen. Amen. 
He wasn't saying that because you take it in an unworthy manner, you're going to die. You're going to hell. That's not what he's talking about. I've had people that have shook. I can't take communion. Why? Because God might get me. What's he going to get you with? His love? (laughs) What's he going to get you with? Okay, so he says here, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not concerning the Lord's body, for the reason many are weak and sick among you, many sleep. So he said you'll reap judgment. What is this judgment? Another thing, I don't want judgment. I know I'm not living right, I'm not going to partake of that, but really the truth is you should run to it and remember what he's done. That will give you strength to overcome the sin and the things they're going on in your life. But see, we run from it because we think we're, well, I'm getting judgment. Let me tell you what the judgment is. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened, say chastened, by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. The judgment, I tell you what it is, it's chastening. Chastening by the Lord is the judgment that you'll reap. What's chastening? It means to train, to teach, to disciple as a child, compelling a child to go in the right direction. This is no judgment, God punishing you and bringing, you're going to hell. This is him loving you and correcting you, bringing you this discipline and and showing you the way. This is God helping you. It's a positive word. Lord, if I need to be chastened, chasten me. It's a positive thing. That's the judgment that you bring on yourself when you take an unworthy manner. God's going to speak to you and chasten you. (laughs) Let me read you. Hebrews 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Does he love you? He chastens and scourges every son which he receives. You ever gotten a little spanking from the Lord? Oh, I have. I've had many. (laughs) Now, when I went to church as a kid, the kids stayed in the service. Church meant spanking time for me. I had so many spankings. I love children's church. I think it's the greatest thing. Never been the one, but I think it's the greatest thing ever. Because I knew it's church time. I was like, I wasn't going to stay still. It wasn't going to happen. I know it's wearing him out. He just, let's go. We sit in the back all the time. We can hit the back door. We'd sit next to the door when we could get it. We'd go out the back door, do this thing. I'd come back in and say, oh, I'd be glad when church is over. I might mess up again. <laughs> he finally gave in some. You know, we tell our kids, don't write on the offering envelopes and all that. He finally, here, 
I started drawing. I draw all kinds of things. I guess you can't blame him. Think about me. I'm messing up a service, chasing a plate. <laughs> there, there's one lady. Uh, I, I still can picture her face. Because I didn't realize I'm coming in between her leg. And then I, I went back. And, and she looked at, she gave me a look that she, she wanted to join my dad and spank me. By the way, I didn't get spanked for that one. That was the mercy of God. My mom interceded for me. She was laughing and half the church was laughing and, and told me, I'm sorry. And I got mercy. That's when I started becoming a much better actor. <laughs> Back to this, Okay. It says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But, you, <clears throat> but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Let me tell you something. If you're not disciplining your child, you don't love your child. And if you discipline your child, people around you will love you for it. <laughs> it's true. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. We paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us. It seemed best to them but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nonetheless, afterward it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness that those who have been trained by it. Once you get your uh, communion ready, now here's, here's the thing. What if an unbeliever took communion? Is it going to damn them? They're already. They're already not a believer. It doesn't, it doesn't affect them. So we can say, all partake. <laughs> Make sense? We need to be running to the elements and remembering not afraid of them and partaking. Just lift up. Let's hold up the bread. Remember the cross. Because of this bread, healing is yours. He took sickness, disease. When you study it now, he took pain. He took it for us. He wants you healthy and whole.
He paid the price at the cross that we could have that. See, healing and forgiveness of sins are, are tied together. It's the reason Jesus said, which is easier, rise up, take up your bed and walk, or your sins are forgiven. Because they both happened at the cross. They both happened at the same time. The price that was paid. God doesn't want you broke, sick in this life. He wants you blessed by His stripes. You are healed. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, say thanks, He broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the bread, and we take this in remembrance of the cross and the price that was paid for each of us. By the stripes of Jesus, we're healed emotionally, mentally, physically in our bodies. We receive from the stripes of Jesus healing now. Let's partake and eat of the body of Christ. open more than that. <laughs> I got it. Having a little technical delays with the elements here. How many know that without blood there is no remission of sins? Without the precious blood of Jesus there is no forgiveness. But because of His blood we can throughout all eternity proclaim that the blood speaks and declares that we are redeemed. We've been bought. We've been purchased. Jesus said the recovery of sight. He could have said just to give sight to the blind. But he said recovery. He was recovering. It was a jubilee stand. It was the day of jubilee. He, it, was a, it was a rescue mission to rescue us and to bring us back to our original position in God. That's a different sermon, but he actually went beyond what Adam had in the garden. It's a different. <laughs> but actually, we got more than what Adam had in the garden. We have more in Christ. Father, we thank you for the blood. You said, Lord. says in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes Father we thank you for the blood the precious blood of Jesus we surrender our lives and hearts fully to you and we thank you we thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never received Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, He loves you. 
The cross is actually a demonstration of his love for us. He's in love with you. He's head over heels in love with you. And that doesn't change. All he wants us to do is to trust him. To believe in him. His grace is available. If you never called upon the name of Jesus, the Bible says you can call upon him and he will save you. You can be his. We're going to pray a prayer. If you mean it from your heart, you can be his. No one looking around, just bow our heads. If that's you today, you want to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Or maybe you prayed this before, but today the Lord spoke to you. And you know you need to connect again with Him. That you haven't been connected. Today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of jubilee. Enjoy the day that we're in. Because the grace of God, the love of God, is poured out towards us. That's you. I'm not going to ask you to come down. Just want you right now. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. And we'll pray together. And God will hear your prayer and he will answer. Yes, see, see that hand. Yes, see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for loving me and dying for me. Forgiving me of all my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for you. Live in me. And Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me up in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Give you praise. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.